0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Welcome back to the Testudo Talk podcast. I'm Andrew Chodis, live from Ryan Field in Northwestern, where we just saw Maryland football stunningly uh, lose to the Wildcats, 33-27. Definitely a... I don't know if program altering is, is, is the right word to use, but obviously just unbelievably uh, disappointing for Maryland Dropped to five and three on the season. This was a team was a few weeks ago. That was five and oh and battling toe to toe with Ohio state. And now they're, they're, there's a real chance that they're going to be fighting ball eligibility. So Emmett, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think everyone agrees with you is that this was, you know, just the kind of the continuation of, we've seen this, this bit of a free fall for Maryland. I mean, you know Maryland the, the jokes have been there for for years yeah. about how Maryland will start fast and then fall off and, and finish the season slow but this is about i would say as drastic of a drop off of, as i've seen at least um like you said they were 5 and 0 they played ohio state tough for a lot of that game and then just everything flips on its head that loss to illinois last week i mean we we did our instant reaction podcast last week or not last week but uh, last game after illinois game and we were pretty harsh on the team. I think we were, uh, I I mean, there was a lot of frustration, obviously, because that was a game that they totally should have won. But, you know, we, we, we had the caveat with everything we said that episode that we're just overreacting. We'll probably look back in a couple weeks and, you know, it's just one game, but now you sit there and maybe we weren't even harsh enough because I, I mean, we weren't overreacting at all because now you lose to Northwestern. Now you're five and three with three straight losses and you look at the rest of the schedule and, I mean, any hopes of, you know, the season that maybe we thought this team was capable of having before the season are pretty much out the window at this point, I think.
1: Yeah, no, and, and I promise we'll get into the actual specifics of the game first, but but just to kind of continue um, on that. And, I mean, and again, like I said, we, we joke, right? It's just that like Maryland, oh, they always start 4-0 and, and then they lose. But the numbers are true, right? I mean, they don't lie. It's that Maryland, they, they've they never won out of the bye week under Mike Loxley, which is a Mike crazy Loxley, stat.
2: Mike Loxley has never won... A game after the bye week anywhere as a head coach, not even just that in Maryland. That
1: is that is a crazy stat. And and post game, I like J J. Jones came up and I and I told him that, and he's been here for for five years and what is six years? I think six years, yeah, and, six years. And he and he goes, "Damn!" <laughs> he's like, he's like, "Yeah, no." So it's like, what else can you say no, though? I mean, it's bad. Well, it, I I think it's it's just it's the thing it's the thing about right. What is Maryland football? And nobody really knows because you think, oh, every year they're oh, they're there, they got it. Nah, they don't. But maybe next year. And I think this year, out of the past four years, I think has been easily the most disappointing, just because I think people knew what their ceiling was or what thought what their ceiling was. Um, and yeah, they just lost to a Northwestern team that many project that many projected to be the worst team, um, in the conference and. They were outplayed. It wasn't even like they got unlucky. I'm looking at this. Maryland got outplayed for four quarters um, by Northwestern. And it's kind of just what we've seen time and time again. Maryland, they, they they kill themselves with a lot of self-inflicted mistakes, and that started on the second drive of the game. You know, you're up 7 to nothing. You have a dominant first drive, four plays, or I think Northwestern's first plays, you get them off the field in like five or six plays, and then first play of the second drive, and the ball just – comes out to Leah talking about lowest hands. I mean, I was, I was sitting up here in the press box and I hear, Oh, I'm like, Whoa, 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 what happened? And all of a sudden I see the balls in, in Northwestern's hands. It's just, it's these plays like this. And then once that happened, Northwestern got them, got the momentum and they ran with it. And North Northwestern's offense under back of quarterback, Brendan Sullivan was really good. Um, Maryland's defense was really bad. Uh, Emmett.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, agreed. Um, Just to hammer home the point you said about Northwestern expected to be the worst team in the big 10 Northwestern isn't the worst team in the big 10. I think we can, can you know, that is true.
1: I'm I'm, I'm just, I'm just
2: segwaying this into a a separate point. Um, Northwestern is not the worst team in the big 10, maybe like we thought, but let's make, make no mistake here. This is a team playing under an interim head coach with so many players leaving in the off season after everything that happened, starting its backup quarterback, against a team that was coming off of a bye week that has expectations of being much better than it is. So, you know, Northwestern has played, probably punched a little bit above its weight this year. And, and credit to David Braun for the job he's done and in, in getting those guys to play hard. And they seem to be having like an outside chance of making a bowl game, which is pretty impressive. But but even so, I mean, this loss just like, it can't happen. It can't happen for Maryland football if you want to take that next step as a program like we've been talking about. And maybe that's just not what this program is. I mean, this is, once again, this is a couple hours or about an hour after the game ends. So everything's very fresh, but it just feels like another instance of like, maybe Maryland football kind of is what it is. And maybe that next step doesn't exist or at least doesn't exist under Mike Loxley because we've seen no indication that this team has taken any step forward this year. If anything, it seems like they've regressed. And then if you look at what they're potentially losing this offseason, especially at the quarterback position, which I'm sure we'll talk about Talia a little bit more, you know, the future a game like this. It's one game, but it's also indicative of maybe a little bit more than that and potentially starts maybe ticking the clock on what you look for moving forward for this program, what this program can be, not just this year, but in the next three, four years. I have a
1: feeling this pod is going to go very, very long, purely because there just is so much to discuss. Um, and we haven't even discussed the actual game yet. We're just talking um, big picture stuff. And I'm going to end on one more big, big picture thing before we do get into the specifics of the plays. Is Mike Loxley, is 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 is, there a, is he on the hot seat?
2: He's not on the hot seat in the sense that he's going to get fired this year. That's not going mm-hmm. to happen. I mean, even if the, Unimaginable happens, and they drop seven straight games to end the season. They don't make a bowl game, which would be like insane. But you look at the schedule they have—not crazy. It's They're not playing crazy. Penn State this next coming week, which you know just squeaked by Indiana, but is still much better than they showed this week. Then they play at Nebraska, which is ninety thousand seats, one of the most intimidating atmospheres in the country, and a team that is probably better than the Northwestern team they just lost to in front of like fifty fans. Then they host Michigan. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's generous. Then they host Michigan, which we know what Michigan is. Michigan's one of the best teams in the country. Sign stealing aside, Michigan is going to be heavily favored in that game. And then you finish at Rutgers, which looks like a much better team than we've seen from Rutgers in recent years. I I think Maryland's going to be an underdog in their next four games. It's not out of the question that they could not make a bowl game. If that doesn't happen, I don't think Loxley's getting fired off the bat. But – like i said maybe this just starts to to tick the clock towards maybe where we could be heading where if they're not able to take advantage of this team that they had with this assembly of talent and last year you saw kind of the same thing with missed opportunities then you start to question what maybe the ceiling is under loxley and you have to have those hard conversations if it does get to that point
1: yeah um i'll i'll, I'll end with this in the in the press conference the the man that sat behind me was Athletic director Damon Evans, he, he, he did not look so enthralled uh, d- d- during that press conference, under, understandably, uh, understandably so, but Mike Loxley, he, he took a lot of the blame. He said, we have to reevaluate re- re- things, and that starts with myself. So to the game, to the four quarters that were just played in back of me.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: So, Maryland starts the game off hot, like we said. Northwestern, they, they have that short field. They make it 7-7. Seven to seven. And then really after that, Statistically, it's a really even game, but it's mistakes that Maryland makes that kind of gives Northwestern that advantage.
2: Yeah, especially on the defensive end. Like I said, like you said, Brennan Sullivan was not impressive in his most recent two starts. His only two starts of the season because he's normally the backup for Ben Bryant. Um, Squeaks by Howard, and then they just anemic on offense against Nebraska. And today... I mean, Brennan Sullivan today was cutting up Maryland's secondary. A secondary that, by the way, was getting back Tarheeb still, was getting back Dante Trader, and looked to be having kind of an influx of some of the guys who have been injured. You get the bye-week coming at the right time. Maybe it helps shore up that group a little bit. And Brendan Sullivan throws for 265 yards, two touchdowns. And most importantly, he didn't turn the ball over. And it's not yeah. even that he didn't turn the ball over. Yeah. There was never even like a moment where it was like a dropped interception or something. It was just like, Maryland, he was just, he took care of the ball and Maryland couldn't make him uncomfortable. The offensive line for Northwestern is really bad. They allow a lot of sacks and maybe some of that's on the quarterback as well. And it started hot. Maryland got two sacks on the first drive. And then after that, it was one or two more the entire game. It was like Maryland's defense played maybe a little bit better if you include a second half performance than the 33 points that it allowed. But at the end of the day, allowing 33 points to a team like that that has had nowhere close to that kind of scoring output this season, at least on a con- consistent basis, is it just it can't happen if Maryland's defense, like we've been saying, can try to claim that it's one of the best in the Big Ten. It just isn't. If you're putting up performances like that, you have no way you can possibly make that claim and back it up with any sort of evidence.
1: Emmett, Northwestern hadn't scored more than 20 points in a first half since October 24th of 2020. I remember that game. That game. That- that game happened to be a forty-three to three win against Maryland.
2: Tell me about his first start in a Maryland this uniform.
1: A, this is a Northwestern team that has not put up twenty points in a in a first half in three years. And Brendan Sullivan, a backup quarterback, carved Maryland's healthy secondary up, carved them up. But like you said, and like we mentioned on on our preview podcast, if Northwestern wanted to win this game. They were not not necessarily the turnover battle, but they were going to need to win the mistake battle, and they did that and some today. It was just between Maryland committed four after the whistle penalties. Northwestern had one. Northwestern had zero turnovers. Maryland had one, and then Jay Sean Jones also fumbled the ball. which was
2: Including the the interception at the end of the game.
1: Oh, my apologies. My apologies. And then also the Jay Sean Jones fumble, which was recovered by Maryland, so it could have been three.
2: Yeah, that was that was an arrow. Dog so
1: and, and Roman Hemby also fumbled early in the second half. That was recovered too. So that could have been four. It's just it's these things we talk about a week in week in week out. It's Maryland's beating themselves. They beat themselves and they did that so much today. And it's just and if you're a Maryland fan, it's so frustrating because it's there's so many games. It's the past three past three games they have had opportunities to win, and it's just one moment that t- leads into two or three moments, and so the next thing you know, the game's over. It's just it's so it's so frustrating, right? F- from a Maryland standpoint of how many mistakes that that they're committing that turn out to be so costly when the game ends.
2: Yeah, and I mean we could talk about the the play at the end that sealed the game, just mm-hmm. Talia's interception. Um, you know, it, it was it was a massive overthrow of Deitchis. Um, It was just right into the safety's hands. You know, it it happens, I guess. But the thing is, like, if you just look at that drive as a whole, after. Everything that we just talked about, after all the mistakes that Maryland had, its defense didn't play well against a not very good offense. Its offense was struggling to move the ball with consistency. You know, it, it scored 27 points, which, you know, you can't hate too much, but especially in short yard situations, cannot get the job done. I mean, they got they they didn't score a touchdown. They had two end goal situations and they didn't score a touchdown either. And then on that last drive, you're driving down the field with momentum, with the possibility after all of that to somehow, some way leave with a win. And Ty Felton is wide open on the sideline. And, you know, I don't know who it's on. It's it's a miscommunication. Talia throws it a little bit past where Ty Felton is. It hits his fingertips. Would have been first and goal with about 30 seconds left. That's incomplete. Next play, airmails Deitches. It goes right to the safety. It's what we've been saying about Talia for so long, and it just, it's not going to change. I mean, you know, it's not going to change. I think we can agree that. I've never seen a quarterback throw so many back-breaking interceptions with consistency. Every single time it seems like Talia throws an interception, it's at the worst possible moment. And it's like, it wasn't even a guy that was super wide open. I mean, I know that in that situation, you can take some chances because, you know, you're you're kind of just trying to make something happen. But but even so, it's just like, it's it's not only the mental stuff, but it's the execution stuff. It was just like, nothing was working for this team today. And it just felt like even when they had the ball down six with less than a minute left in opposing territory, moving the ball in a drive, it didn't even really feel like they were going to win that game. It didn't really. It felt like you knew something was coming because it was just that kind of day for them. You knew that it wasn't going to end the way that Maryland wanted it to. That's kind of what it felt like, at least for me. I don't know if that was the same vibe in the stadium today.
1: Yeah, no, it, it you know, you kind of looked up and you're like, the fact that Maryland has a chance to win this game, they're down 33-27 and they have the ball 30-yard line. Like, they don't deserve to be in this situation, but here they are, right? And I want to go back to that Ty Felton, you know, miss uh, specifically because that's a ball you need to have if you're Ty Felton. I'm like, I'm sorry, but th- that that ball, it's in your hands. Uh, it's just, I don't get it. And then Jay Sean Jones, I think he he kind of hinted at that after the game, he's like he said, especially, you know, at the end there, there was, you know, there were some plays that that we should have, could have, can and will make and we don't make them. And that really hurt us. And it's 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 just that right. It's the opportunities. It's, the, it's those specific plays where you you can't do something or you need to do something in Maryland that's been on the wrong end of all of those uh, in the past three games.
2: But I mean, don't forget that Sean Jones also was I mean, Talia made an amazing throw on the run yeah, and Sean yeah, Jones yeah. in the end zone. Yeah. And it, I mean, it kind of looked like it went through his hands. It was a little bit of a wobbly pass, but I mean, it went through his hands and that's a six-year receiver at that point. You know, yeah. you probably got to haul that in. He looked pretty disappointed after he didn't make that play. Like you said, it's just, it's, it's the self-inflicted wounds that have killed Maryland in all of their losses this year and have even hurt them in some of their wins. And when you start to see it all kind of boil over as we have in these last three games, it's just so incredibly, I mean, I can just imagine how incredibly frustrating it is to watch as Mike Loxley you know, who obviously bears a lot of the blame for it, but for him, a lot of what we think of him is dictated by what his players do on the field. And a lot of times it's just execution mistakes where maybe the scheme is right, but his players on the field just aren't able to come through when they need to. And, you know, that's the difference between a team that wins a game like this, between a team that comes off of his bye week and puts up a stinker like this versus a team that you see, you know, some of these other teams out there that come off their bye week and they look Refreshed and refocused, and are executing well. Mike Loxley has never won a game after the bye week, so you know whatever he's doing to prepare his team obviously isn't working.
1: Yeah, and then it's just like I know you mentioned earlier about the red zone. You're getting getting stopped at the one yard line. Like Maryland has five trips to the red zone; they only come away with twenty points. Northwestern come had had six trips; they could they come away with thirty points. Um, in the red zone. I mean, statistically speaking, though, just kind of looking da- up up and down, it was a very even game, which kind of tells a lot you know in in its own but it's it's those specific moments right that, that 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 time and time again continue you know uh to plague the terps and it's 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 just right it's like it, it's in the first half right it's it's 17 10 northwestern and and maryland has a chance uh 21 21 14 my apologies and and maryland has a chance to you know to go in and tie the game and they got down to the to the one yard line and instead of you know pounding the ball in Mike Locks, they to do, you know, the uh, the, the brotherly shove with uh, with Talia Tagovailoa. So it's just, it's decisions like that, which I don't really understand. And you come away with no points. And look at the score, 33-27. Again, you don't know game script, but that's seven points right there. You lose by six. So it's just, it's it's those moments.
2: Well, not, I mean, they're doing the the tush push. I prefer the name tush push over brotherly shove, just, just for apologies. the record. Um, and I'm not looking forward to to seeing it used against my favorite NFL team tomorrow many times. <laughs> But but even so, like they did that, I believe on second down, and from when they got to the one yard line, I think third. it was on a little tin rush. Third. Was it was it third down? So it was it
1: was it was third third down was the failed touch push, and then fourth down was the play action, and I don't know what Tilly is doing there.
2: They, long story short, they threw the ball twice from the one yard line, I believe. Yeah. Um, which like I know your running game hasn't been great, but man, I mean like you gotta you gotta just run the ball. I think. I mean. There, it feels like Gaddis, Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, has done overall a pretty all right job in some scenarios this game, in terms of just like scripting games and game planning. But it just it it feels like, especially in short yardage situations, we saw this with Dan Enos last year too. Maybe it's just a personnel thing, but it just seems like they're trying to get too cute sometimes, and they're not just like just play football. You're supposed to be the better team. You're favored by two touchdowns in this game. Just just play better than them. You don't have to like pull out all the tricks the flea flickers and all that just like just play well, football you should you should beat them just regardless well,
1: no well no no. I, I want to mention the flea flicker they i don't remember when they did it but i know they did a flea flicker and and talia had his receiver wide open downfield for a touchdown and severely under him so again it's just it's the, i know i, I said this first but it's the it's those it's those moments right you have so many opportunities and you just can't, you can't they can't finish on those opportunities and that's what just makes this loss so much more frustrating Um, for for Maryland fans. And I you mentioned just Josh Gaddis, he threw his name out there. I was wondering, do you think that the effects of someone's arrest and Gaddis in the news had anything to do with this loss?
2: Um, you know, it would be hard to say that like it, it wasn't on their minds. I'm talking about the players on their minds during this week of practice, but I just I find it hard to believe that a guy that's only been around the program for a couple months would have any sort of impact in terms of scheme or anything like that. Um, maybe if you're talking in terms of focus, I, I could I could see it a little bit, but like, I, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, if anyone's going to blame this loss or um, any of the mistakes they made on that, it's probably just more of an excuse than anything because I can't imagine that that something like that would would affect the team too much. I mean, it's kind of in the background. I guess you don't want any distractions, but... There are teams with much greater distractions than this one that are able okay. to beat Northwestern. So, at yeah. the end of the day, no matter what, no matter what's going on with Maryland, if if Maryland wants to back up all the talk it did during the preseason, which it isn't doing this season, if it wants to do that, who cares what happened with your, yeah. you know, third assistant coach, whatever that you hired, and tight ends coach or whatever? Like, it it is what it is. You just got to put that behind you, and uh, once again. These are the kind of things that separate really good teams from teams that aren't that great or when they're able to overcome these kind of things. I have no doubt that a team like Michigan is going to come out. They're not going to care about all the scandal that's going on. Maybe they won't play as well if they don't have the team signs or whatever, but like they're going to be fine because they're really good and they're really well coached. And I just don't get, I don't get the sense that Maryland's focus has been 100% there, but not necessarily because of stuff like that. I just feel like coming off of a bye week, we, we have, now, I believe an eight game track record, if you include the COVID season of Mike Loxley being the head coach for a team coming off of a bye week, he hasn't been successful in any of them. So we have a track record of them not being focused coming off of a bye week. That's more what I attributed to than than maybe anything going on off the field.
1: Yeah. And it's, again, it's, it's no excuses, right? You, you, you can't allow Northwestern to score on drives where they started there. At their own three yard line, then at their own one yard line. So that's that's two scoring drives that you allow that are ninety-seven and ninety-nine yards each, right? Though that's two things that just obviously uh can't happen. uh Brendan Sullivan cannot outplay Tulia Taga Loa. It's it's Northwestern's defense cannot outplay your defense, right? It's just that Maryland better I mean, I I, I want to the better team lost, but I don't I don't know if that's appropriate. But I guess Maryland was probably they're in a better position to win games like this. And they did a lot of things wrong today, and it, it hurt them in the end.
2: Well, let me talk about my one uh, main criticism of Josh Gaddis today, Check the it. way he called the game. I, I can't understand it, but it, they're Hemby. just refusing to use the running backs. And especially they're refusing to hand the ball off to Roman Henry. I don't know what his injury situation is, if he's fully healthy or whatever, but you had the bye week, and you've had a couple games since he supposedly got, got nicked up. So like, you would presume he's healthy. They're just not handing him the ball, like yeah. he had let I me mean, look, he had four rushes today. He had six receptions. like this, he's not a receiving back, he's a running back. and like the same thing goes like Colby McDonald leads the team in 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 rushing attempts, which I'm fine with he's been he's been pretty good for them this year, but he leads the team with 43 yards on five attempts. Kaden yeah. Prather. You know, they give him an end around. I'm fine with that every now and then. Uh, you know, that, that play worked out, obviously. That was, I believe, their, one of their first plays from scrimmage on that first drive was, there. Yeah. And then you see Ramon Brown for, for one play. Antoine Littleton gets a couple gets a couple handoffs. But for the most part, they just were not running the ball today. Which, I mean, yeah, I guess it's it's a personnel thing because maybe you don't trust that offensive line. Maybe the, the running backs aren't healthy or whatever it is. But it just seems so weird that they there was just like a refusal to give Roman Hemby, who you can make an argument, is their best skill player at least in terms of talent, it, it just seemed like they were actively avoiding handing him the ball, which makes me think that maybe there's something going on that we don't know about.
1: It's not, it's not even Roman Hemby. I mean, you're not going to win football games if you don't run the ball. And this is like four games in, in, in a row now where they're just not throwing the ball and talking about what having close to a 50, uh, 50, passing attempts. Like your running backs c- uh, cannot combine for only 14 rushes in, in, in an entire game against Northwestern. That, that, that cannot happen. It just, it makes no sense makes no sense there's there's having an air raid offense and then there's having an offense where you just refuse to run the ball those those, those are two different things
2: yeah it, it, it's not it's not that they don't have the personnel to throw the ball it's just yeah. it's and Corey deitches is not you know producing at the same level as he was earlier in the season it seems like maybe teams have figured him out they're kind of just treating him as another receiver at this point so you kind of lose that mismatch mm-hmm. a little bit but also on the, on the other end on the defensive end when we're talking about running backs it felt like Northwestern was really content with throwing a lot of screens, a lot of halfback yeah. screens. Maryland did a couple of them as well. Roman Hemby had a touchdown on them. Yeah, uh, that that was that was you know that was the highlight of his day. But you know Northwestern, it, it just felt like Maryland couldn't couldn't stop these screens for some reason. Maryland didn't know they were coming. Maryland maybe Maryland needs to start sealing other teams' signs or something. Like there was that play, it was like a fifty-yard uh, screen in the fourth quarter, and when that happened, and then I think Northwestern had to settle for a field goal. That made it a thirteen-point lead instead of um, a seventeen-point lead. You know that that play, to me, it felt like when that happened, that that game was over. It felt like when that happened, it was like Northwestern's going to score again. And I don't know if Maryland has two touchdowns in them. Like plays like that, it was just it's just breakdowns by all. You know, a screen pass when when it gets fifty yards, that's a breakdown on all levels. That's the line not being able to adjust fast enough. That's the linebackers not playing in coverage well enough and not winning their matchups. And that's the secondary not being there to help them. It just felt like there were so many of those plays today where it just it was so emblematic of what this game was and what these last couple of weeks have been like for Maryland, where you're just seeing breakdowns on on all levels of the team. And it's just frustrating to watch because you you've seen them stop those plays in the past, but you're not seeing them do it today against teams, against a team that is probably worse than some of the teams that they have been able to have success against, at least on the defensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, I I think the best way to put it, just how bad Maryland's defense uh, today, kind of in perspective. So Northwestern's opponents this season, Rutgers, UTEP, Duke, Minnesota, Penn State, Howard, Nebraska, and Maryland. Okay. Northwestern, there's a
2: couple good teams in there.
1: Northwestern got their second most yards in a game. Second most points in a game as
2: well against Maryland out of all those teams. <laughs> like they scored more points today. They scored 10 more points today than they scored against Howard. Yeah. Do you remember when Maryland played Howard a couple of years ago? 70, nothing Howard was, they didn't belong on the same field and that's not hating on Howard. It's just, these are different levels of football. It's an FCS team versus an FBS team. Like, that just that can't happen. It's the same quarterback. I know it's his first start against Howard, but it's the same quarterback. It's it's the same offense. Like, you, it it just can't happen. It just this is the kind of stuff that when when Mike Loxley and his team talk about changing the narrative around Maryland football, and then you put it's up adorable. games like this, it's adorable. Why should anyone believe that the narrative is in any way changing? The narrative is not changing. It's the same it's thing. Worse. Don't believe Maryland until they actually beat someone because they're going to do this every year. Now you're going to go play Penn state next week. And like I said, Penn state has struggled on offense the last two weeks, but Penn state is, is an outstanding team. I have no doubt in my mind that Penn state's going to win that game right now. You know, maybe something will come up, but you know, until I see it, I, I, I'm not very confident at all about this Maryland team. And, you know, we talked about the path to bowl eligibility after starting five and O, even having this conversation is crazy, but, um, I mean, they're going to be underdogs in their next four games, realistically, or in the Nebraska game in the Rutgers game might be a pick them, but it's, you know, they're no, going to be, no, I, I, the, I think Rutgers is going to be favored pretty easily. Well, we'll see how they end the season. Rutgers is probably going to stack some losses here, but, um, but regardless, like, you know, Mer- Maryland's path to bowl eligibility is, is getting slimmer. And after what we saw today from them, I can't sit here and tell you super confidently that I think they're going to be playing in a bowl game. Like I, I do think they're going to be playing in a bowl game because it's a numbers game. And I think that they're, they're, they're going to eventually probably turn some stuff around because it's not like they're dealing with super systemic things that are unfixable because we've seen it before, but it, it just feels like everything at the same time, every season starts to trend downwards. And we saw it last year when they came off the buy and then played their two worst games of the season against Wisconsin and Penn state. We saw coming into the bye, they played their worst game against Illinois, and then somehow they topped it against Northwestern the next week. And our schedule is only getting harder. It just feels like everything is going wrong for them at the worst possible time. And I'm just, I lost I lost a lot of confidence the last couple of weeks in this team. And um, I would say our predictions when we gave it the beginning of the season, where we were talking about them going eight and four, maybe knocking off one of the top teams. I don't know. I feel like we kind of look like idiots right now, to be honest.
1: Yeah, no, we uh we definitely do look look like idiot. I think I, I think I'm the biggest idiot. I I traveled all, all the way to Chicago.
2: Well, did you, was it at least a good trip?
1: <laughs> it was. How would you enjoy
2: the Ryan Field experience? How would you rate it?
1: The Ryan Field experience was uh it, it was it was it was it was good. It was good. I, I can't complain. You've a you've a gorgeous view of of Lake Michigan out out in the distance. Uh, for anyone that's watching area, on video, you can nice you can see the yeah, yeah the
2: lake out there behind the trees.
1: Yeah, the uh the the uh the field itself isn't isn't the greatest but the view of like michigan is top notch top notch but uh no but like, like you mentioned it's it's the narrative and when you when you have your coach go out and preseason say we're ready we're ready to compete with big 10 championships and now they're trying to compete and stay stay alive and ball eligibility it's just that's that's kind of defined the past few years of uh, of maryland football for you
2: yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they're able to uh, to turn that around in the in the final yeah. couple games of the season. Andrew, anything you want to add before we sign off? Uh,
1: very disappointing loss. Um, says a lot in a bad way about the program. Uh, Maryland basketball kicks off November seventh. That's all. That That's all I got.
2: And I think you're not alone uh, in that sentiment. Thank you, Hope, for listening. Um, thank you for making it this far. If you made it this far into the episode, yeah. and Well, I guess we'll learn a lot about this team and their, their resilience next week against Penn state, a really tough opponent. Our next episode, will be previewing that later uh, in the coming week. So, uh, so yeah, thanks everyone for listening and we will see you next Friday.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day.